0: Welcome to The Bridge, the official podcast for the University of Maryland-Baltimore School of Pharmacy Patients Program. The Patients Program is the bridge between the community and researchers. The Patients Program created this partnership to help researchers listen to the community's voice in order to build a bridge to an effective learning healthcare community. Here's your host, Rodney Elliott.
1: Excited about today's show because I uh, actually met a gentleman who's living in and about the community, doing positive things, and also reconnecting with uh, a friend of the program, someone who was an intern here at the Patients Program, graduate Morgan State University, now one of our up-and-coming young journalists here in Baltimore um, for a um, fantastic program. Um, network that's uh, sharing their work out in the community with the Baltimore banner. Um, So before I get into any more of that, I'm going to introduce David Lance from talking about, who was that intern with us a couple years in the patients program. I remember him uh, out and about with Eric Kettering, out in the community, um, capturing. How about this said, folks on the ground when it comes to uh, true engagement with the community from a behind the camera lens. Now he's actually behind the computer, but actually on the computer with writing for the Baltimore Banner. So he's here today to talk about an article that he wrote um, that started. a gentleman who's, again, one of the movers and shakers in the community in a setting that um, men enjoy for getting good when it comes to looking good, but also getting good information in a safe setting. So uh, I'm going to introduce David, and David, when you get a chance, I want you to kind of introduce Rel. We can get into our conversations today. David, all right, perfect. So a- as Roddy
2: talked about, I, I was formerly uh, with the Patients Program, spent a couple summers there, and I, I really credit my time here and Eric for like, like helping me to figure out what I wanted to do. And so uh, I have had the chance to work for various publications. My most recent style has been with the Baltimore Banner. And so in, in doing work and research and figuring out what I wanted to do to talk, to talk about the community, to kind of get into the community and like re- really see who's, who's the movers and the shakers in this community. Um, I, I had a chance to meet up with Darrell um, and kind of talk with him and figure out the work that he's doing and, and having that conversation with him. Um, not, not only does he own a barbershop in Baltimore, the man the is also doing PRP work. Yep, at our organization, that and that's huge. Like the, the the barbershop is essential for black men to come a space to how kind of be free and talk about whatever they need to be, and kind of that that emotional connection, right? That I feel like is not seen as much in the black community, and so getting a chance to. Kind of talk with him and figure out the work that he's doing, not only with his barbershop, but with some of the other shops in the city, right? Yep. Other barbers who are doing work and stuff like that. It it, it, it it's organic. It's not nothing's forced. It, it's all real. Especially when I did my interview, I getting a chance to talk with him and Warren in the shop. It it was like, it, it really felt like me stopped stepping into my own my own barber shop and getting my cut and talking with my barber So like a lot that. You know, I I don't want to tell too much of his story because the brother got more to tell than I could even talk about. But that that whole experience was amazing for me.
1: Thank you, David. I appreciate that. And the gentleman you're talking about, who's in the other corner of our screen here, um, Ralph, he owns Top Notch Barbershop over there in East Baltimore, right in my back backyard. Um, had an opportunity to speak and chat with him yesterday. We had an awesome conversation. Ralph, do us a quick favor. Won't you share with our audience a little bit more about some of the things that you offer there at Top Notch Barbershop LLC, other than just a nice haircut? Right. So
0: Top Notch Barbershop does offer more than just haircuts. We are a hub in the community and we provide people with resources. Um, we connect them with other organizations in the community. So we're a hub with it for, people to come and just reconnect, man. A safe space for people to talk about, you know, trauma, for people to like, uh, get some things off of their chest, to connect with other members of their community, and to also link with, just to, to provide people with a network so that they can have a solid foundation to build.
1: I like that, bro. And I'll be quite honest, if people don't notice, I've been sporting the ball haircut for a couple of years now, and I don't necessarily go to the barbershop as much as I used to, but it did feel good being in that setting yesterday, um, getting to meet you and um, seeing you actually do your work. Also had opportunity to chit chat with one of your customers, and our conversation just was organic. We were talking about regular barbershop stuff, sports, it's football season is starting, you know, we're talking about the community. Um, but then we started getting into some stuff that kind of just, again, like I said, organically happened. The customer actually shared some of his health um, issues or challenges that he's dealing with, but he felt safe sharing that. David, I'm pretty sure um, when you did the interview, that's um, a fantastic interview on the Baltimore Banner website, I'm looking at it and the title is How Baltimore Barber Goes Beyond the Shop and Gives Life Advice to People in Need. David, what made you as a journalist, want to write and elaborate or give a stage or platform, so to speak, to uh, Rell and the work that he does in the community?
2: Uh, so, firstly, um, I, I talk with my barber, uh, Robert Cradle. Um Rell knows him now, uh, knows him well, partners with him, for right? like, various projects that go on within the community. And I, I was talking with him, and I'm just like, talk about the work that I'm doing. He's like, you, you gotta meet this brother that I know, like, does some great work within the community, does all that. And I'm like, all right, cool, let's let's do that. So I, I got a chance. I, I called and we had we had a talk for like 20, 30 minutes, just talking about the different things he does and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's that's different. That's new. Like I I haven't really heard of some of the things he does before. Like I you might have heard bits and pieces, maybe right, or maybe a barber that wants to do something within a community has a little bit or something like that. But to the extent that I, I saw Darrell doing what, like, whether it was uh, like in person or kind of like things I was looking up, I'm like, that's that's real stuff. Like that that's something that we need to talk about. That's something that needs to be heard. So, you know, we set up a time, I was able to go down to um, Tom Organization, which is the nonprofit in which he does his PRP work in. Nice. And so I got a chance to go down to the little shop he has there, um, see him, do his work and kind of like how he interacts with the people there, and I'm like, that's it. It, it was some good stuff. Like I, I went in there, I, I got a camera, I got my recording equipment, all there. But it was like it, nothing about it was fake. It was all a genuine conversation. We we talking about everything. We, we were talking about the, the loss of family members. We talked about we use alcohol use and stuff like that, and kind of various programs that were going on it was it was all a conversation about real world issues that happened in, in our world that either people just might be afraid to talk about or might be stigmatized and yeah they don't want that perception on them and it's like it, it's it's real this is things that we go through every day and so that was just something where it was like w- once i had that conversation I, I knew this was going to be something that people wanted to read people wanted to learn more about because I know for me, when I, when I was doing my research, it was like an amazing experience all over.
1: And you talked about the various programs or initiatives that REL is a part of and me meeting them yesterday for the first time. Again, me go meet them before I talk to them, maybe 15, 20 minutes, wind up being an hour, some change, organic conversation. And REL, you talked about an initiative that is near and dear to my heart, because again, your shop is right there in East Baltimore. Um, I lived about 15 minutes away from your barbershop. Some family members live even closer there, back when I was growing up in East Baltimore. And there's a bike initiative that you have and that um, you have for the community. Talk a little bit about, for one, how that bike initiative came about and what made you wanna start it? What was the connection to our youth today, but also, to teach them uh, 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 a really good lesson of what not to do or what not to get started in early. Organically, it started a bike program a few years ago.
0: Um, we had a bunch of kids that would come to the barbershop and ask to work, and so like, we would give them odd and end jobs. We would sweep sweep to the store. Like, they would help me clean up. They would help me organize. And uh started out with one kid named Tony. He got the first bicycle. Right. And his brother came the following week and he was like, Hey, and I get a bike, Mr. Durant and basically, you know, in like a month's time, I had like 15, 20 kids out front of the barbershop. And so like, it just kind of landed in my plate. It landed in my lap to kind of provide bicycles to the kids. But to those who are are like listening or watching it, uh, top-notch kids is not about bikes. It's about saving these kids life, right? It's about teaching them some ways to like connect, to work together, to not argue, not beef over petty things and find a way to get some things done together. Collectively we use bicycles as like a tool to get people to, to get the kids together and get some men to come out and to like, uh, speak up for them and to share time with them on Sundays right, is to like, to pour into them the things that they need from their personal experiences. Um, we have volunteers that come out. Um, we have brothers that have a bunch of different backgrounds that come out and try to teach the kids about the decisions that they make today will have an effect on their life, their lives in the future. Um, we have a way of like using a bicycle as a metaphor. Uh, you might drive down the road and see a, a, an old rusty bike on the side of the road. Uh, we use those bikes and we, we pick it up and we use them. We put new wheels on it, new rims, new pedals, a new seat, new handlebars, right? Brakes so that they're able to stop. And we allow the kids that are part of the program to be the ones that paint the bike, the ones that put it together and then like present it to the next, the newest kid that comes into the I program. I love that. Yeah. And so what what's really important about the program and one of the main things that it teaches is that it's it's a crime preventative measure right because uh children kids teenagers right have a tendency to um act on emotions and uh you know having a bicycle stolen from you when you're a kid can can lead to like you that type of behavior going out and stealing a bicycle, right? Or, you know, and that could lead to even, uh, right, in you criminal activity. We give them bikes, just 100% free, right? If, the, if a bike gets stolen, like my son's bike just got stolen a few weeks ago, and I'm like, you know, he about it. And that's the time, don't worry about it. I'm going to build you a new bike. And it's just that simple. Uh, It's a way of teaching that you don't have to, like, you don't have to act out on your emotions because that comes with a cost of money. And I I wish that when I was a teenager, that there was a top-notch kids bike program because it would have saved me some time or some some bank over the years.
1: I love that analogy or that metaphor that you use as far as finding an old bike on the road and then, you know, taking that, bringing it back to the shop and allowing the kids to um, be a part of that reassembly. I love that part. And then the part of kind of bestowing it on to one of the n- newer kids that are coming to the program, giving them sense of ownership kind of a little bit. Of and you know, I'm pretty sure those stories, I can imagine one kid passing a newer refurbished bike to a, another kid who maybe didn't necessarily have a bike or got that bike stolen, but now they're back rolling. They're back in the neighborhood. They're back hanging out with their friends. They're back running some smaller areas for you and your patrons at the shop. So. Um, I love that initiative. Anytime you can find an opportunity to connect with our youth, particularly here in these underserved communities, East and West Baltimore, and give them something positive to look forward to, give them something to use with their hands, because you know a lot of times when I'm dealing with the youth, I'm talking to the youth, asking what do they wanna be, what do they wanna do when they grow up? It's mostly sports related or it's mostly art related. They wanna be a ball player, they wanna be a rapper, nothing wrong with that, that's good. But you know what the numbers, of reaching or attaining that is kind of small. But if you understand the importance of um, figuring out how to use your hands, you know, I think that's awesome. Finding out how to um, be a part of creating um, an environment where it's safe, right? You know, um, if you're hanging with a bunch of good guys that are part of this bike initiative, you guys pre- pretty much probably have some of the same life experiences, but also some same goals. So creating that unit, I think, um, or that culture I think is awesome and fantastic and another jewel that top-notch provides for the community. Um, David, you mentioned in your article, you talked about how um, the importance for REL, again, providing a safe space for gentlemen to come in and and particularly talk about health. Um, There's a couple points in your article where you talk about the myth of that black men don't, Take care of themselves, or black men don't pay attention to they need to their health. David, can you highlight, talk to us a little bit about why you highlighted in that article, Ronnie? You know, I I feel like a lot of times as black
2: boys, we're we're almost taught that we can't cry or we got to be strong, and, and I feel like eventually, as we become adults, we become grown men and navigate this world. There's there's going to be times when situations come up and you know you, you you want to cry you want to cry you like it, it, it just hurts or maybe you're just not having a good day and you want to talk to somebody about it but because you were told you need to be strong and not show that weakness that you don't talk about it and you just let stuff like that build up and so that, that something I wanted to touch about I, something I wanted to touch on talk about when I did this when I did this article was that no, like the, the barbershop, it, it gives you a chance to talk about those things, right? You, you go into a shot with a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of grown men that been through some real experiences that have seen things that you don't even know about, right? Or have done things that you probably wouldn't even think. You, you see them, they're, they're professionals. They're, they're lining you up, making sure your uh, hairline all nice, making sure the fade is good but but at the end of the day they real women have gone through some serious issues and so the barbershop gives you a chance to for for black men especially to kind of go in and unwind. Uh, yeah, exactly exactly unwind just allow allow you to relax and alleviate some of the stress and the pressure of everyday life. And so in in a world in which I feel like not even just black men but black people in general they the help, the field of health hasn't been kind to us over the years, and, and mental health is a part of that. And so it's just like the barbershop really allows you to kind of unwind and get rid of some of that
1: mental stress that you might be. Again, the barbershop is that safe space. The barbershop is that place to unwind. As a barber, as a profession, in your profession, what makes it or why is it important to you to encourage your customers, particularly men, to share their experiences um, other than just sports, other than just, you know, the newest sneaker coming out and they can have a safe space to talk about some of their health issues, some of their trauma related issues. At Top Knots Barbershop, yeah, we have those
0: conversations, right? But there's also some people are challenged. Some people have challenges and can't make it to the barbershop. So yeah, it might be a normal, uh, occurrence for an individual to come and receive groomer services. But there's a whole population, there's a whole sect that doesn't really have that opportunity, doesn't have the finances, doesn't have the resources, doesn't have a ride, doesn't have the funds to pay. Like, um, and so, uh, I am super excited and I'm grateful to be a part of an organization, right, that has like recreated a barbershop inside of a place for people to be able to like still receive grooming services and be have their confidence restored but also be able to like unwind and unpack some of that mental health issue right uh rob's community barbershop is a great organization and they have partnered with time organization to build a barbershop inside of a program it's a treatment facility It's a mental health center, right? Where people come in, it's a re-entry center, right? People are coming home from prison. Uh, People are dealing with mental health issues, substance abuse issues. Like uh, they have trauma-informed care, substance abuse, addiction counselors, therapists, doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists. And so it's like full wraparound services. And so I'm like blessed to be a part of it. Uh, I started out as a volunteer, just providing grooming services there. And the doctors would kind of walk past and, and hear how inside of the barbershop that was built, the clients were like, just really unpacking what's really going on th- when they're sitting in front of the doctors. They have, kind of might have their arms. Yes. Open, like, I don't really, I don't trust you. I don't want to talk to you. You don't know me. You don't know my story. Like they were saying and in the barbershop. You have to trust the person because they're responsible for your your appearance. So you get to you your, your guard is down and you you share and they say you know what's real this is what's really going on. And so when the doctors would walk past and hear that, they went to the staff and was like, hey, how can we bring them on board? And so they were able to find a way to bring me on board. And that's now my new position outside of uh, what I do at Top Knots Barbershop at a place called Time Organization. I'm the new PRP coordinator, right? And PRP stands for Psychiatric Rehabilitation Practitioner, right? And so I basically do the same thing that I do at the barbershop, but I'm doing it now at an organization that specifically deals with mental health, that deals with substance abuse, that deals with reentry, right? So people, sometimes people in the community, won't really admit that they need something right uh they they it's 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 not uh the most flattering thing to say to have a hand up to. hey can you help me and so but in a place like time organization people are more um more open to say hey hey yeah i'm struggling with x y and z and how can i overcome you know these obstacles and so yeah i'm blessed and fortunate to be to be in this seat, man, and to be, to have my life, my trials, my tribulations, my story being used to help someone else, so I'm blessed.
1: Well, you know what? It seems like um, even now, even when I left the barbershop yesterday and uh, coming into work this morning, I realized that patience program and um, time, um, you know, barbershop, Top Notch, and even what David does, we're all in a building relationship program or build a relationship, um, uh, business, so to speak, but also sustaining the relationships, right? It took, um, David a while to figure out who the patient's program is, what we do and why we do it. Right. Um, that's why he, you now he's a partner with us now. He's a friend of the program. Now, um, when you're dealing with a barber, it takes you a while to kind of get to know and understand your barber. And you guys get that connection of how you want your hair and how, you know, you like your beard shaped up um as far as you concerned, your role as the pr prp coordinator it takes time for your customers to be trustworthy enough of you in that space to share to share their experiences right you can get in the chair and say I, I need my hair cut this way my beard cut this way boom that's it and if they leave out of the chair don't say anything that's fine it's actually what they were there for but when you can get that conversation organically i think that's where that building and sustaining relationship is a part of. And again, in barbershop settings, you also just never know who's listening. The person waiting to get their grooming services next is always kind of listening on to what's going on. Um, You talk about other organizations. There's actually a barbershop cohort that you are a part of as well that, spans all over Baltimore and you guys kinda share that same niche as far as not only providing grooming services but also providing services. Can you tell um, can you tell us a little bit about why you felt that was important to be a part of that um barbershop cohort?
0: So yeah, most definitely. Um everybody remembers COVID, right? And COVID nineteen and twenty twenty when it when like all the barbershops got shut down and like it was the pandemic and we had everybody was wearing masks. So shortly after, um, I was blessed with the opportunity to become a part of an organization and the name of that organization called that, right? M-T-A-S, right? Our founder, his name is Troy Stanton and uh, he's, he's put together a coalition, a cohort of about 30 barbershop owners, right? To, to, to do similar Similarly so what uh time organization does, but so on a, on just on a larger scale, right. On a, on a scale where the barbershop owners are all in a network, right. And we have connections with like the center for disease control. We were giving like, we were doing uh, COVID testings and vaccinations. And we do, we have partnerships with uh, the Baltimore Ravens where. They come and do outreach in the community, back to school events, giving out haircuts. Um, um, we also have um, like initiatives with uh, Zeke Cohen's office, um, the city council, right, for Healing City. And so, if you guys remember, there were a few incidents where barbershops had some gun violence in them a, a few short years ago. And so I also am a GSV, right? And that's a gunshot victim, someone who was shot and lived to tell a story about it. And so myself, uh, the founder of the organization, he's also a GSV. I remember that. Um, and so there there, there was uh, a few barbershops that were actually there and actually had an incident happen. And so that coalition, we banded together and came and showed strength and numbers and we and we say yeah this is this can't happen in barbershop right no no there's no barbershops used to be a safe space it was like off limits there was no nothing that happened a bicycle didn't get stolen no there was no guns like the barbershop used to be a safe space and so the idea was not only to do that but to also create a network of like where where um barbershops were all in one collective. And we were a unity, like to build unity amongst the group and stand together. And also to like, to deal with trauma with Healing City, We have a partnership with them where um, we're able to dissect and unpack what's really going on with uh, the people that are part of the city so that they come to the barbershop. So it's a great organization. And again, I'm blessed to be a
1: part of it. Yeah, man, you guys are doing some awesome work um, within your communities individually, but then when you guys get together, I think that's awesome because, you know, going out alone or singular by yourself is challenging no matter what the effort is or the initiative is, but when you can partner with other like-minded professionals and band together and provide services, um, particularly for community members who necessarily don't have the time or the means, they can find something at a one-stop shop I think that's great. Going to the barbershop and getting a cut, but also getting a resource to, or a referral to, or a number, or email, or a link. Something that can kind of help you beyond your grooming service is fantastic. Not only for the men in our community, but also for the families in our community. The men that come and get those haircuts are leaders in our communities. They're leaders in their households. Um, They're leaders in their families. So when they not only can come and get a fresh new start as far as a grooming is concerned and they can get a fresh new start on addressing health issues, addressing some of their mental health issues, addressing some of their trauma that they've experienced, I think it's fantastic and um, gives them an opportunity to continue to push forward. Just because life itself in general is just challenging. You know, we're all rebounding from that COVID year. The fact of the matter that you guys can find a way to still stay connected during that COVID year, and to be quite honest, sounds like you guys might've came out a little bit better, came out with a little bit more tools in your toolkit other than it, just a nice pair of clippers. And I think that's that's awesome and fantastic. And um, this is kind of going to lean towards both of you guys from my last question. David, again, you know, I met you a couple years back when, again, you first started interning here at the patients program. And I'm so proud of you for the things that you've done with us, but also for yourself. You know, uh, I think I met you in your senior year when you were trying to debate on figuring out which college you wanted to go to. And that was challenging for me coming out Baltimore earlier. So now you've graduated, you went to a couple different um, institutions as far as, you know, your journalism is concerned right now, your feet is anchored. What are some of your short-term and long-term goals, David, when it comes to, you know, your journalism career and um, bringing light to issues similar to what REL and, uh, and, and he's doing in his community? For me, my my focus as a journalist
2: is just to get to really know people within my community and yep. figure out a way that if they want their story told, I can do that. Or m- more so, maybe they, they, they've they already had their story told, but they're doing new things and that, that needs to be talked about. They, they don't need me to tell their story, but I, I want to tell it for them t- type of deal. So wherever I move on to my next adventure, or my next venture, it, it's about staying in touch with my community, telling the stories of the community so these voices can be heard. and I can help to be a part of the great work that they're doing and help progress and um, progress in their next chapters. As I continue to move on to mine, that's that's ultimately
1: my main goal as a journalist. And real for you, short-term goals, long-term goals for you and Top Notch? Yeah. Um, well, my short-term goals
0: um, would definitely have to be to meet more brothers like y'all, uh, Dave, Rodney, uh, you guys are doing great work uh, and, you know, you guys get the opportunity to highlight the work that we're doing. But I also want to make it be known that the work that you guys are doing uh, behind the scenes, man, is also very, very powerful for and so, um so, but for my short term goals, man, it's just to keep pushing forward, right? I'm a marathon runner, uh, so we can teach health and wellness in the community. like my initiative is to like to contact and connect as many people as possible is to like to change not just to not like we said in the barbershop yesterday i'm not here to like change everybody's mindset but uh um yeah something health helped as well and so the more people that are uh healthy mentally physically spiritually like the better off we're gonna be as a people as a community and so my short term goal is the same as my long term goal, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's to change our community and like Ava said, progression is everything, right? And so we have to keep progressing forward, man. So like my personal goals are being met as I'm like projecting my given my skill set and my test right. that are important, like my business grows
1: like naturally with it so i can see that bro i kind of got that vibe from your shop man where you know it is a safe space not only again to come get great grooming service but also be a space where folks can communicate but also um you are a hub to people who also have that same initiative or or maybe on the fence when it comes to how can i be a leader in my community how can i um help in my community um i'm pretty sure you have a bunch of kids that come in, for example, and want those bikes, but those bikes just don't come out of the air. Those bikes just don't come out of nowhere. So I'm pretty sure some of your customers probably come in and see the things you're doing or the connections the relationships that you are establishing in the community maybe help contributing to that. So kudos to you, my brother, um, for all the work that you do. David, you're a great storyteller, I already know that. You know, we've had conversations um, off camera about some of the goals and dreams that you have. and though you've picked my brain a little bit about you know, my journey. And uh, hopefully I've shared some um, little jewels to you that can kind of help uh, you along your way. Both of you guys are doing awesome work in the community. You're sharing it a different way. So Dave, wherever you're going next, I know you're going to be great in the work that you do. Um, Rel, it was a pleasure meeting you. This is a beginning to our uh, friendship, our relationship, our partnership going forward, um, you know, here at the Bridge and the Patients Program. Um, we work with Uh, organizations before in the barbershop setting, so it was kind of refreshing to to revisit that when I came to see you yesterday. And I wanna thank both of you guys for joining me, taking the time out to share your story here on the bridge. Um, We try to provide spaces and platforms for, um, again, like I mentioned earlier in my intro, movers and shakers. And both of you guys are movers, shakers, but you're also cultural shifters, right? So continue on in both of your journey I'm behind both of you guys. If you guys ever need anything, I'm a phone call away, email away. Um, And uh, again, I may come in and get a nice cut one time. Rel, again, I I cut my own hair, but every now and then I might wanna come in and get chopped up and uh, I'll be sure to give you a call and uh, get on your books one day. I'll be ready for you, man. My man. Again, fellas, thank you, I appreciate it. David, I appreciate it. Rel, I appreciate it. And uh, see you guys down the way
0: for listening to The Bridge Podcast. To learn more about the PATIENTS program, visit our website at www.patients.umaryland.edu.